0: Hello and welcome to the Exorcism Podcast. If you are looking to get really good at programming, then this is just the podcast for you. Being a phenomenal programmer is about so much more than just knowing a coding language. It's about being able to solve problems, understand the best tools to solve the problems with, and think things through with clarity. Well, hello and welcome to the Exorcism Podcast. It's Jonathan here and I'm joined by, uh, with Tyab, not by, with Taib. Taib has been an integral part in the whole design of Exorcism and another company called Kaido. Uh, You can go and check that one out as well at kaido.org. But Exorcism is the one that he's kind of spent a lot of his time recently putting together, especially moving it from V2 to V3. And we'll drill into that a little bit later. But Taib, it's super to have you uh, here with us today. Thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Um tell us wh- where are you currently? What are you doing? And uh yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. So first of all,
1: uh Jonathan, thanks for taking the time out to speak. Um much appreciated. Um so ooh, where do I start? I guess right from the beginning, right? Uh origin stories, this is go for it. so um <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna say I I, I was born. <laughs> no no. Um so let's let's go um let's start from somewhere a bit relevant. So I guess the best place to start is probably, I guess, where I grew up, um, where I was born. So I was born in Birmingham in the UK. Um, In quite a, I guess, uh, looking at it now, quite a deprived area, actually. So I'm from a town actually just technically slightly outside of Birmingham called Smethic. Um, There's literally like a almost like a border sign. Like if you just walk like f- five seconds down the road, there's like a border that says Birmingham. And then on one side it says okay. Smethwick, and on one side it says Birmingham. So technically I'm like on the outside of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite a deprived uh, area, at least uh, as I've been growing up. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's very, very diverse, very multicultural. Like everyone's here from everywhere, like all over the world. Um it's quite an, it's quite it's been quite an interesting experience uh growing up here like i'm currently still uh, in in the mm-hmm. same uh, area in the same city um and yeah like it's it's been interesting getting to be in a place where you have like a complete melting pot of ideas a complete mm-hmm. melting pot of uh, different types of people with different perspectives from all over the world and that's kind of i think shaped me in a lot of how i see the world today mm-hmm. um you know i always acknowledge that there's an there's another perspective out there and that like the world is way greater than just my little part yeah. of it um so yeah um and i would say that like um my fa- like going back a bit to like my father and my mother and, and, and all that side of things too um my father uh, was very entrepreneurial like as well so um just for context he was a migrant to the country so he migrated from from pakistan um, secondly, uh, technically, I'm a second and third generation uh, immigrant, I guess, because um, my how does grandfather, that work? yeah, my grandfather <laughs> and my father both okay. uh, migrated to the country. So okay. my fa- uh, my grandfather, actually migrated after after World War II, and that's a okay. whole separate oh, wow. story. So that was yeah. like that's
0: a while a while ago, eh?
1: Cool. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, long a long while ago. Um, he was actually born in, believe it or not, he was born in 1901. So my grandfather really? is old.
0: Yeah. He's very is he still old. alive?
1: No, no. He died okay. when I was young. He died about
0: thirty years ago, roughly. Okay, I was gonna say, because he he'd be like 100, <laughs> 119 now. Yeah, he'd
1: be very old right now. There. Um but, but yeah, so that's a whole different story. But mm-hmm. both my grandfather and my father migrated um, to the country. So yeah, whatever that makes me. I don't know whether that, that makes me sec- second generation or whatever. Uh, and um, Birmingham,
0: just, was it just that Birmingham was a natural landing point? Or I mean, um, I think London no. maybe... But-
1: so So initially, we actually started um i say we like my, like my father's family and 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 how he settled here um I think they started in the south of England first mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember exactly where um I think it was near Surrey, okay uh, in the south of England yeah. um and, and the reason why they started here, there is just as a, I think as a consequence of the war. so what happened is my um, my grandfather um moved to Surrey in, in fact he he actually had to uh escape to Surrey. So okay. what happened is uh, in the Battle of Dunkirk, basically um, in, in World War Two, my grandfather was fighting in that war.
0: Really, um, he was. Not, yeah, he was a Dunkirk was, on the Dunkirk. He was deployed. Yeah,
1: wow, he was deployed there. So he wasn't. Um, he was part of like the what they call like the transport company, or like basically shipping supplies to the front line. Basically, yeah. Um, and uh, what ended up happening he had to make uh, he had to escape in the retreat too and he ended up where they ended up in the south of england obviously as a result of the mm-hmm. um, evacuation at the time and so that that was his first i think exposure to the south of england and, and being there okay. and all that sort of stuff and then later on he kind of moved there as well um and kind of actually migrated and settled there too so mm-hmm. we have a bit of a history from the war basically uh, in being in in the country um and then also then my father then uh, came over after World War II and stuff and all that. Um, and, you know, for economic reasons, uh, as a migrant uh, came and then worked in the country and all that. So because I come from like a very, mm. I guess, hardworking migrant background, mm. um, like that, those sorts of like, um, that sort of grit and that sort of like mindset was kind of drilled into mm. me quite a bit. So um, my father was always like very entrepreneurial, like hustler, go-getter type mm. Um, he like had, he's, he's been in every business you can think of. (laughs) Um, he he started, uh, started (laughs) yeah, to name but a few, Uh, he started out, um, selling leather jackets in, in, on on like a weekend market. Um, Mm -hmm. he got into like, uh, warehousing. So he used to like, um, kind of warehouse kitchenware and that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Um, then he started his own, um, store selling those goods as well on retail uh then he was a driving instructor for a long time then he he did he's basically done everything done it all um he's he's done it all (laughs) so i feel like um that's kind of where i got some of my entrepreneurial dna Mm -hmm. from uh, definitely from him um and so what i started doing and this is going in now a bit to the story of tech and Mm -hmm. how i got into it is um basically i was always a very entrepreneurial kid like Mm -hmm. always so what happened is uh, I was I was like I, I have a lot of siblings so I have yeah. four brothers and two sisters so it's quite a community of us
0: a clan um, it's like a, a football it, team yeah, yeah, yeah it's like a football
1: team yeah yeah <laughs> we just rock up somewhere and we just take over play. the take yeah. over the place yeah, yeah. but um, it's it's nice having a lot of siblings in in yeah. in a lot of ways because you get to like bounce ideas off each other you get to like especially growing up you play around with each other a lot like and it's robust always, I mean like, you
0: can't fighting. you can't get away with a bad idea it's going to get pulled down and. Trampled on pretty quick. Exactly. I mean, yeah.
1: Exactly. So th- there's no uh, place for
0: um for nonsense basically. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um so but what I used to do taking advantage of this community mm. is um I would always be the guy or the brother like that would like kind of see an opportunity and then try and mm. take it, right? So um I remember, like, selling, like, uh, sweets and things to my brothers when we were really small, like, this is like an eight or something or whatever, right? I'd be the guy who, like, hoarded all the sweets and the chocolates and everything. And then um, as soon as, like, it was late at night and, like, my, my siblings were like, oh, I want a chocolate. I want a sweet. I want this. I'd be like you can buy it off me. It's only a pound. Um, <laughs> you must have done pretty so, well, I tell you <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was doing pretty well as a kid with the, with all that stuff. And yeah. then like growing up, I carried on like having this kind of seeing mm-hmm. the market, um, seeing, seeing the demand and trying to fill it sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I did the same thing in school as well. I sold stuff in school and got in trouble for that as well. That's a different thing as well. Um, but then carried on doing this more and more. And then obviously discovered the internet mm-hmm. everybody got on. This was in my, this was when I was probably about 10, 11, 12 years mm-hmm. old. And um, we got the whole dial up modem and did all that. <laughs>
0: <We got connected laughs> to
1: the, uh, it. That, that noise is still,
0: uh,
1: yeah. etched, ringing, still etched in there. Yeah. yeah. And I still get frustrated when people pick up the phone. Right. And it used to cut the line off as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, that was so annoying. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they got connected up to the web and then just got into like all sorts of stuff from there. So, mm-hmm. uh my family were all like really big gamers. Um mm-hmm. so we got into all the games like typically we played a lot of RPGs actually. So, okay. Um, this is for the this is for the gamer nerds, but uh we played a lot of Korean MMOs uh, growing okay. up. So this is like Lineage, Lineage 2 um and also some western ones too like RuneScape as well. That was mm-hmm. the game uh, to play. Uh, this is
0: back in the early 2000s. Yeah, the link will be in the show notes, presumably, if it still exists.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. definitely still around, and Lineage <laughs> is here and there, but yeah, uh, link in the show notes for <laughs> sure. <That's it>. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then and then sort of we got from there, and then this is where like the tech stuff starts. So got from getting into gaming, and then basically um, my brother was really into. His games and therefore join clans and stuff for them and then these clans and these guilds they needed like websites and stuff right okay so um they started building like communities around them like my brother would be the guy who then they would go to and say well can you like make a website for this please or, yeah or this web page right and this was back in the day when you used to um use something called microsoft front page <laughs> which is like yeah. a what you see is what you get editor okay. do you remember that
0: uh i can't say i do i mean it sounds like a primitive version of wix um, or basically. like, you know, it's like the most basic fundamental version of that. App. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Um, and,
1: uh, what people used to do on front page is they used to like, you'd used to design an image as the web page, okay. stick it on, yeah, stick it on front page or whatever. And then you used to, in order to kind of put content in, 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 in it, mm-hmm. you would have to, uh, cut out uh, a slice of the image, okay. set it as the background and then add the text on top of that. So that is how you used to create web pages, essentially an image, and you just slice it up into a million b- different pieces and then present it with some of the things as background and text on top.
0: So, so a very primitive version of React and components on, on some level, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're getting a little yeah, yeah, on some hideous at this point, but...
1: Okay. Now that's Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is this is OG internet, right? This is how yeah. it all this is how it all began. And then like what I used to do, I mean, this is back in the time where households had like um one shared computer amongst mm-hmm. like everyone in the house. So
0: And with eight you know,
1: siblings. <laughs> Like <laughs> with eight siblings, I mean, I was a professional backseat gamer, a professional mm. backseat um, developer, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I would just sit behind my uh, brother watching like, oh, do this, do yeah. that. Like, oh, you should move this over there. You should do that. Yeah.
0: The strategist, all strategists. Um, the strategists you
1: know? yeah. <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> a- and, 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 and I think one day he just got so frustrated. He go, He just turned around to me and goes, uh, he goes, hey, uh, just do it yourself, like yeah. design your own website and then, uh, and then you can do this all yourself. Stop, tell, stop telling me what to do. And yeah. then I was like, okay, sure. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, um, it was hard, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so when it was my turn on the computer, I would, uh, then go on and start designing uh, websites and things for various things I was interested in. It was always like about, um, you know, what was cool at the time. So I was quite into like anime and Gundam and that sort of stuff at the time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, into Dragon Ball Z, that sort of stuff. So yeah, I would create like websites for those things I was interested in. Um, and then go from there a little bit. And then what happened is I started getting more and more into it. I joined a few uh, forums online, okay. um, around the idea of like freelancing and design and all that sort of stuff. Cause I started thinking, well, maybe I can make some like money freelancing or something, hmm. uh, being a designer. Hmm. Um, and this is when I also started getting into code more as well, uh, obviously first in websites and then, and then other stuff later. Um, and then, yeah, it's carried on progressing from there. Um, got more into designing websites and doing all that sort of stuff.
0: So did the, did the design side of things sort of, was that where you, you veered towards you, you, you might say, was it kind of like, okay, I want to design this. Mm. Oh, therefore I need to know a bit of JavaScript. Did, was it that way around? Cause some people come at it from, I'm going to learn to code. Oh no, I need to learn how to design on top of that. So it was yours design led essentially.
1: So no, uh, it was, uh, everything was from a very utilitarian standpoint, right? So okay. it was, um, I need to launch this website for this idea that I have. How do yep. I do it? Right. Okay. Oh, I need to learn this. I need to learn that. I need to learn that.
0: Right. And then you so down m- the, down the rabbit warren with, with learning essentially.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. Down the rabbit hole. Yep. Exactly. So, um, it was, yeah, all everything I ever did was from utilitarian standpoint. So it was just uh, like, yeah, here's an idea I have, or here's something that I want to bring to market. How do I do yeah. it? And would you say um, that
0: informs your, your design now, even like, um, kind of, cause I love your designs. I think they're super, mm-hmm. um, clear and, um, mm-hmm. easy to understand from a practical perspective. And so I can now mm-hmm. see that there's clearly a, a train of thought that runs through how you think, um, through design. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would, I would say, so say so definitely. Like, um, I think with design, especially it has to achieve the clarity and the objectives that's needed. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, that's why it's super important early on to be defining what it is you want this page to do on, on, on on multiple levels. So not Mm -hmm. just on like, you know, um, like what buttons or what in, what things mm. do we want people to do when they get off here, or what do we want them to know? But also emotively, what do we want people to feel when they're on there, yeah. and and what are the primary things that we want people to do and feel when they're on that page? Right. So, whenever you do any piece of design work, the first thing you do is you define objectives. You define mm-hmm. like I want I want people to come on here and do X, Y, and Z, and then think of everything through that lens. Yeah. Right. So, um, and and also when you when it comes to designing a page, you always want to think it through um, from from a very heavily emotional standpoint too. So I'll give you an example. So if you're talking about um, a recent page that we're designing about this, um, we're actually building like a, a page on exorcism to describe or show uh, the build state of a track right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So um, that, for example, requires a, a multitude of things. First, it requires what I call the activation, which is like... Mm-hmm. Um, Getting people emotionally invested in that thing first. So yep. what I find is when it comes to motivating somebody to do something, first you need to get them emotionally invested. Then you got to show mm-hmm. them the details of what needs to be done, right? Yep. So that whole top of the page is dedicated to showing impact mm-hmm. as a, and therefore motivating people um, or, in, or emotively connecting with them so that they are emotionally invested in doing the thing. Mm-hmm. So just seeing the impact of their work. So the, the headline is like, You know, 50,000 students have benefited from the elixir track, for -hmm. for argument's sake. And then once you've kind of established the emotive connection and once you've kind of given that piece of motivation to them at the beginning, then you can go into the depth and detail of things. Right. Mm -hmm. So much Mm -hmm. like um, anything, it basically has to follow a story that makes sense from from top to bottom. Um and as long as you're following that through line where you're and you're accounting for people who both know about your service and don't know about your service or are part of the exorcism community or not part of the exorcism community or are senior maintainers or lower level maintainers, you gotta think of all those personas and then feed them through that story and see if it makes sense to them.
0: Okay. So so looking at Exorcism then pulling back as a whole, what were some of the key emotional um things that you were trying to hit? with exorcism like when you were redesigning version three or can you explain kind of what so how you went from version two which wh- where it was I, I mean where did you get involved again with exorcism was it v1 or v2 or like so where the of-
1: yeah so ju- just past the the launch of v2 okay um so v2 had just launched um jeremy had done a, a very um kind of detailed analysis of like the launch of v two what happened? I think mm. it may have, might have been a year after after that or two. I'm not sure exactly when, but he had done like a blog post on breaking down v two like what impact it had on the user base and sign ups and all that sort of stuff, and that's the point that I got involved so it was um roughly two years before the launch of v three
0: okay so then so you've you've come in at v two just post v two launch and you're now gonna re-envision this this platform for learning to code. What were your, what, How did you go about that? What were the sort of key things that you were trying to hit? Um, yeah, I'd love to find out yeah. a little bit about how you approached so,
1: that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean,
1: it started off with um, a huge amount of sync from Jeremy and I. So at the time, it was only Jeremy and I that were working on the Exism V3 product, per se. Hmm. Um, so we were the people who were going to do everything. Uh, Jeremy was going to code it all and I was going to design it all, right? And that was it. Uh, and we're talking about a huge platform here with... With so much to it. Um,
0: it looks simple When you first start outset. out, you're like, car oh, hard can it be? And then sort of nine months later, you're like, another modal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Literally, I mean, it was... I mean, that's like the, one of the signs of, I think, um, somebody... I mean that's that's what we all do, right? Like so, at Mm. the beginning, we sort of have to look at things in like a very simplistic way. Like, let's say Mm. even if we take a business idea or a product that you're building or whatever it is, we say, "Oh yeah, that shouldn't be too that shouldn't be too difficult," like because we don't quite know the details of it. We're just kind of you know thinking, "Ah, this will be interesting," Um, and we need that sort of naivety to kind of get into it a little bit, Uh, uh, and then and then also then the grit that comes with then seeing the detail of it and then saying, OK, mm-hmm. let's break this up into small pieces. Let's try and do this bit first and then this mm. bit. And then once you like, get into the detail of it and understand how complex and vast that problem is, then just having or just developing, I should say, the grit and the, 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 the consistency to be able mm. to kind of execute on a long term plan. Right, so mm-hmm. you need both the naive, like high-level thinking at the beginning, just to mm. say, "Oh, we should do this thing," and then the execution and the deep work part
0: of the actual doing. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, it's like it's you need to get to that point where you're like, "Oh, we're too far down the road to turn to turn back." Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: there's no heading back from here. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but going back to the uh, how the process began, I guess it's basically a, a huge amount of sync from Jeremy and I at the mm-hmm. beginning. So we spoke. I mean. I think we spent three, like I'd say about four or five hours a day chatting to each other for like a week straight. Or something wow. right and that was just like figuring out our philosophies on things figuring out like our intentions for things like me just getting a good understanding of where things are at with exorcism too so just downloading all it all his thinking on where mm. we're at what the history has been why we're here a lot of the times when it comes to design especially you want to know um, how somebody got to that point so you know what they eliminated in the, in the process right so I then know not to go for going down those routes that might waste a lot of time or they've already been explored or whatever. So it was important for me coming on the project to just really understand everything mm-hmm. and not just to try and be like, oh, yeah, that needs to be changed. Or we should change this without even knowing whether it had been addressed before. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of syncing up, a lot of that. Um, and then we just took it bit by bit. So I started mm-hmm. out just doing some con- like more creative conceptual things first. What I find with these sorts of things is there needs to be a period of exploration uh, of Mm -hmm. sort of, I guess, opening your mind or opening your opening up the possibilities as to what could be done. Mm -hmm. So that would be just be messing around with uh, various visual styles, um, messing around with certain layouts for particular pages, that sort of stuff. Just trying to get a feel for the thing you're going for. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the core ideas or core principles in my head that I wanted to kind of base everything off. Was basically this idea of access, accessibility, right? Okay. So code is seen, or programming is seen as a thing that's very inaccessible. Um, it's seen as very difficult, and it is quite difficult for sure, uh, especially mm-hmm. at times. Um, it's a new, it's a new skill, skill that requires a tremendous amount of effort to acquire, as do mm-hmm. new skills do. Um, so as a result of that, it needed to then, in, in as a direct response to that. The website mm-hmm. itself, or the design itself, or the branding itself, needs to be approachable. It needs to be approachable. It needs to seem. Uh, it needs to seem fun and easy, mm-hmm. um, and it needs to feel like uh, like I, as maybe somewhat of a novice programmer, can come in and do stuff. Right, yep. this is not some exclusive community of just hardcore devs.
0: Where your forum is like a nightmare to even decrypt. <laughs> like, exactly, like exactly,
1: like yeah you just like kind of click on you like yeah i don't know what's going on and you click off like that's yeah. that's what we yeah. didn't want to have happen mm-hmm. so um everything revolved around that so even we're talking about the iconography on the site everything seeming very happy and mm-hmm. smiley and um, approachable colorful um it was it was all just saying come in get involved and you know do your best and mm-hmm. um it's also one of the things that Informed, like how we did the whole uh, peak end stuff. So peak mm-hmm. end is this idea that um, it's kind of like the emotions or the impact you want somebody to feel when they are when they've gone through a journey and they're hitting like the the, the success part of it or the the end mm-hmm. goal of it. Okay. Um, and so even as we kind of designed what the end of an exercise looked like or what the completion of a track looked like or whatever, we always wanted to keep in mind this idea that we wanted to kind of um, Catapult people into learning and overcome a lot of those barriers that they would have, right? Mm-hmm. And also, the one of the goals that I had was to make learning uh, habitual as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that it would overcome a lot of the barriers that you have in terms of just having to get up and p- practice every day or something.
0: Yeah. The uh, slogging it out habit. type thing. You the know, slogging it out. And that's what that it is, fun. really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: ex- yeah, exactly, and and that's what it really all is, right? Is with any skill, it's deliberate practice. It's waking up every morning and thinking, "Oh, I should learn this thing. I mm. should co- spend a couple mm. hours deliberate practice on this thing." And that's how we all get better. So, mm. essentially, building in a lot of those, um, you know, you know how like how we get addicted to social media and they're built yeah. to be addicted, uh, addictive. Um, I, I know we can't, it's hard to do that with things that are difficult, mm. but I wanted to try and create th- as much as that as possible with this too so Mm -hmm. to make something hard like learning addictive too okay which is a much harder uh, goal for sure
0: and so how did the so clearly in the site there's an element of i mean that we throw the term around gamification all over the shop and it's kind of like a bit of a buzzword right in in tech like let's gamify everything but how did you approach that in a way that was meaningful and kind of appropriate because it's it, it is a term that is thrown around but Clearly, it, if it's done right, it's it's really positive. Yeah. How did you approach? So, that? so gamific, gamification is all
1: about um, effort and reward, right? Mm-hmm. And in reality, all it really is is elevating um, or making clearly defined what the rewards are for the effort mm-hmm. that's made, right? So, um, so what? I, so, I think I feel with things like badges and, and things like that, and reputation, even to a large extent. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all just geared around um, making sure that the things you're rewarding are uh, things that are worth rewarding. And mm-hmm. that's it, really. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, let's say somebody completed uh, the elixir track, for argument's mm-hmm. sake. Creating a badge for that and rewarding that is a very sensible thing to do um, in terms of elevating and clarifying to that person that, wow, you did something great here. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about adding numbers and scores and badges and things to random things. It's about associating it to the actual learning and behavior patterns that people experience when mm-hmm. they use a, a certain platform. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's all about uh, things being meaningful. Mm-hmm. If um, an, a gamification element um, is either Um, rewarding me for a behavior that I did correctly or well, or or a a desired behavior, then it's amazing. But if you're just introducing points for like some, you know, a relatively, a relatively meaningless or arbitrary Mm -hmm. reason, that's when you're going to get the confusion and you're going to get the problems, right? Um, Even when it came to us designing reputation, for example, it needs to be that you had some meaningful contribution to the platform in order Mm -hmm. to gain reputation. And then that reputation would, truly serve as a way of showing your contribution to the community and hence your sort of, uh, I guess, your status in things as well.
0: Okay. And so now, then, then coming back, what was, know, so if we, if we rewind a little bit back to when you started out coding and designing and all of that, how did you, um, from, a, from a coding perspective now, um, what was your your journey, your process there, and how did you motivate yourself to to learn that? Yeah
1: so um I'd say yeah it was all just about trying to launch certain products and services so being the entrepreneurial kid or whatever mm-hmm. it was oh I have this idea for a business right okay let me see if I can build a product mm-hmm. to then sell to people and then sell and then even sell the business right yeah. so um back back in that time there was also like um a website called SitePoint that a lot of people used. Um, this was like a, a reference for developers, web developers specifically um, to use. And it would talk about all the new cool ways you could use CSS and do this and do that. Um, but it also had a marketplace on there, right? Okay. So people would actually come and sell their businesses on there and buy businesses on there really? or sell domains. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I got really involved in in this. So once I saw like all the businesses being sold for like, you know, there was like a website that was... Um, I think selling like golf clubs or something. I can't remember. something <laughs> random. And it was like, it, it sold for like $10,000. And I was like, mm. and this is when I was like 15, 16 years old, right? So like, so I That's looked at a lot of money. I was <laughs> like, 10 um, like, grand. I could do with 10 grand right now. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so, um, so what I ended up doing is just basically trying to launch products and services and then having to mm. learn how to code on the back of them. Okay. So um, so one day I would have an idea for a, for a product or service. Let's say, I don't know, I want to create um in fact one of the websites i did create very very early on Uh, and forgive me for for this this was this is when it was acceptable but i create this like sort of like a basically just a link page i guess you could call it so so back in the day you had this um this idea called i think the million dollar web page or something right where somebody would sell advertising on every like pixel of their thousand by thousand i remember those ones yeah yeah, so I did something similar to that, which was like um, essentially just a list, uh, like a huge page, which is like a list of links, essentially. And this is—I was twelve years old, so guys, for, forgive me for
0: this. <laughs> forgiven, <laughs> <Right>? forgiven, forgive, <laughs> forgive
1: me for this. But uh, you know, like um, I would basically sell links on that website, and then and then people would like like the the next link that got purchased for let's say five dollars would go at the top of the list, and then okay. the list would just keep growing, and the next link would go up and up and up. And then basically, I would wake up like every day and check my phone. And this was back when smartphones, the Nokia created. 3310. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, no, there were still, I think there were smartphones at the time, but they were just very horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I would see like 10 new sales or whatever on the, mm. on the thing that I was doing. So, uh, that really motivated me. So then I just kind of carried on learning from mm. there. And then I did like eventually after doing the whole, um, like hustling on site point and selling, selling all these, uh, mm. products and services. um, making a bit of money on that. Um, And then I actually did go to university for computer science. Okay. So I did take the formal step after that. So it was first, it was very utilitarian. It was let's just learn how to build this thing for Mm. the sake of getting it to market. And then it turned into, okay, let's actually study this thing more in depth. So I went to university, did computer science. Of course, a large part of that is programming. Um, And that's where I got heavily involved in doing like game, game development and C sharp, uh, JavaScript, that sort of stuff. Um, and that's kind of the perspective I took from it. So I did go to university then for computer science.
0: Mm. And, and how did you find then the, the commercial businessy piece? And then obviously the nuts and bolts of learning computer science, which is probably on a, like a bit of a lower level than the business side of things. But how did you then weave those two things together? Because, um, you know, that those are two very different perspectives, but they're very linked
1: yeah they're very it's like approaching the same problem from two perspectives right Mm -hmm. one is i have a problem first how do i solve it and one is well i'm building um you know relatively generic skills and then they're going to apply to some sort of problem later on Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so i always find that it was difficult to motivate myself when i wasn't working from the problem first okay um and when i was just generically learning something it didn't because it didn't directly lead to something i -hmm. I found a very difficult motivational path to take like a very difficult Mm -hmm. executional path to take um so while i was at university i was doing both so um Mm -hmm. what ended up happening is the thing that really sparked my kind of love of programming to a large extent was when we had a um like a first year project to do of uh, Mm -hmm. developing a game so rather than just learning things in theory and saying, okay, theoretically, here's how you do this and that and go and practice it. It was, no, here's the end goal. You're going to make a game and let's work backwards from there and here's how you're going to do it. So... Hmm. Like, like i mentioned before we you know my family and i all my siblings we come from a gaming background so making a yeah. game was like yeah let's do that right? yeah i can do that <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm gonna do that one um yeah. and so yeah and so when it came to like doing it that way around yeah he- here's what we want to do and then let's work backwards from that then i was highly motivated to, to do all of it mm-hmm. any of it but i always struggled with just learning in isolation with no end real like distinct end goal that mm-hmm. was tough
0: Okay. And so, so now gaming and, and you're building this game. And so you've, let's just go through. So you've, you get to the end of university. You now have like a formal computer science degree. You've still got these businesses ticking over on the side and you're now, you're now in, involved in two businesses, which are very much education, culture and learning. I mean, Kaido is probably like people education, you could say on one level, um, was was there ever a kind of like, this is the trajectory that I want to move in from an industry perspective? I know tech is a generic sort of umbrella, you could say, but mm-hmm. the, the the education piece or the people development space or, you know, one someone might be like fintech or whatever. Is there any specific industry that you're like, I'm really interested in this and would love to see? So,
1: so I would say right now, um, I would say I'm at where I'm at because I, I essentially followed my nose. Right. Mm. So what I think what tends to happen is people kind of follow their nose a little bit first. So they kind of go down a path that seems interesting to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they go down it, they go down it, they go down it. And then um, after a certain level of time has lapsed on either that thing or they've explored a bunch of things, Mm. then they kind of start kind of, maybe making specific judgments about which industries or mm. what problems they want to tackle specifically. Right. So I'd say I'd gotten involved with, uh, Kaido and exorcism, um, in large part being connected with Jeremy and getting to know mm. him. And I didn't even tell you the story about how I, um, got to, got to know him and where I met him.
0: Uh, oh, you well. we could, we can do that. Uh, we could do that in a, in a second, but, uh, just finish right. this one and then yeah.
1: yeah yeah sure um but yeah so uh, sorry i lost my train of thought
0: i uh, know it was just about like specific industry specific following your nose ah, yeah so it was more like i just loved love
1: designing product um and i just wanted to work on stuff that was interesting so when um you know i was proposed various things um especially when jeremy and i chatted and we talked through stuff it seemed like a really interesting problem to try and tackle so it's always for me it was just what's the problem that I, that looks interesting for me to tackle. Let's go and tackle it. I am starting to get a flavor for the problems that I care about in the world and where I want to address. But that's like, I think uh, more of a thing for the next, that's going to develop more of the next, I think three or four years or, or the coming years for sure.
0: Oh, cool. And yeah. So now, now you met Jeremy post university somewhere along the line. What, what <laughs> is that all about?
1: <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's There's another story embedded in here. So, so, I actually met Jeremy whilst I was at university. Okay. Um, we didn't go to the same university. He's he's like ten years older than me. But um, but what ended up happening is uh, I went to so I told you I was in, into startups and business mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship and all that. So there was a um, like a startup hack weekend that was being um, conducted at a local university, um, at Aston University. Shoutouts to Aston. Right. Um, and um, so my friend and I decided to attend this hack weekend because why not? We're interested in tech. We're interested in designing and developing stuff. Why not? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I went to this event and then, um, you know, we there were various pitches to get put into groups and whatnot. And I remember Jeremy pitching for his idea. Um, and the idea was uh, a home automation thing, basically, right? So he was um, years ahead of
0: his time, smart cities, yes. and smart homes, all of that kind of
1: jazz. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So um, it was like a smart, um, it was a home automation tool called Aya, which mm-hmm. is uh, like a Hindi word for... Um, think like caretaker or something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was the whole home automation thing. You wake up in the morning, the the blinds come up, the lights the come off, the, you the
0: know, coffee's the brewing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> all, all of that jazz. So th- this was the idea that Jeremy pitched. And then I, I kind of got involved, uh, basically I, I got, I wanted to join his group. His idea sounded interesting. And that that's where I met Jeremy and a couple of the, um, colleagues of mine too. Um, and yeah, and that was, uh, 11 years ago, I think, something like that. Um, and then later on, what happened is I got involved in Jeremy's startup after that. So he was running a company uh, in the medical education space and um, he was hiring designers and he was really keen to have me on. So from that like initial startup hack weekend, then to meeting up afterwards in coffee shops and things. Hmm. Um, yeah, we got to know each other. And then I sort of joined his journey for his startup while, whilst I was at university. <laughs> so what, what cool. I did is I... Um, I had this problem, right? Of do I spend uh, the next two years at university or do I join this startup and try and make it work like that? And learn a
0: lot more or... in a lot
1: shorter space of time, <laughs> potentially. Right. Yeah. So, so, so this was the, the dilemma I was having. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people have this same dilemma a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, okay, I've got this problem here and this problem here. How can I get both? Right? How can I do both? Because I didn't want to just stick to one. So um, I thought, okay, what I can do is I can go to the university and say, can I do a year in industry? Um, and then go to Jeremy and be like, I'm doing a year in industry. You need to hire me. So that's kind of funny. how I pitched it. So I went to the university yeah. and said, I want to do a year in industry, even though I had no intentions to do a year in industry prior to that. Um, and then I went to Jeremy and go, well, I'm doing a year in industry. I can, I can work for you for a year like that um and that's kind of how it all started so then i joined uh medication which was his previous startup and then mm-hmm. um and then yeah and then we worked through that and then i i did end up leaving and going to university and and kind of finishing my degree but then fast forwarding to now like so we're talking almost 10 years later that we reconnect mm-hmm. and then we get back into things and then mm-hmm. and then i joined exorcism and, and we all go from there
0: okay cool so thank you for for Going through the the history of Tyab like in in a in a very short space of time, you've covered a heck of a lot of ground, which is which is really cool. Um, so now, what would you recommend to anyone who's sort of signing up to Exorcism or is wanting to start off that coding journey? Like, what would you? You've hinted a few times, like find a problem to solve potentially, and all of that kind of stuff. But what would be your kind of key recommendations to someone who's wanting to step into the tech space and sort of? get their feet under the table, you could say?
1: Yeah, so I would recommend a few things. First is um, just get a lay of the land, right? Understand mm-hmm. what you're getting into. Um, have a strong reason as to why you're getting into it. Um, mm-hmm. And also understand that it, it's going to be a difficult journey and just mm-hmm. just understand and expect that. Um, with anything that's worth it, it's, it's, it's hard to do. Uh, mm. Things that are hard to do are rewarding and programming is no different right? Mm -hmm. There's definitely a fun element to it as well. I mean, it's amazing to just go in and be able to build stuff and write stuff. But, you know, you need to learn the foundational stuff to do that uh, initially. Mm -hmm. And and there's effort required there. So just understand that. Uh, I would say that secondly, um, like go for the very um, novice focused uh, platforms and tools uh, that Mm -hmm. currently exist. So have a look around. There's plenty of them out there. Um, Give them a try first, see if it's for you. Mm -hmm. um so just get your feet wet a little bit um really and then once you know if you love it and you start you start getting and and love love is a very um uh, strong word here but if you're interested in it and you're getting a you know you're you're saying okay this is kind of kind of interesting i want to do a bit more then just keep following your nose on it keep like at it Mm -hmm. um more and more every day um i would say that finishing one of these novice platforms is a good idea too uh like getting to hundred percent completion on them is, is a good step. Um and then if you've got an appetite for more, just keep going. Um go and you know, sign up to Exorcism, go and sign up to all these other things that exist, uh, Code Academy or uh, or a um or a tree house or something like mm-hmm. that. Um and really get your get your teeth stuck in. So, but you have to kind of keep dipping your feet in more and more and more and see see if you like it.
0: No sure. I think one of the my observations for me personally was um you can get this like real ex moment of excitement oh i want to learn how to code and then you you like set sail and then you you hit like a brick wall where it's like wow there's so many people to choose from where do i start and then you actually have to explore the different ways that people teach as well before you can really be like actually this is this is how i relate to this issue really well and then once you've done that then it's like okay next next phase you actually have to i would say um break the problem down like you like you mentioned previously into very small kind of achievable steps because if you like oh, i want to write a website in javascript or react or whatever it's going to be so it's going to be feel really really far out there so um no i think uh that's really really good advice so um a couple more questions um for, for you type today um so we have this concept called uh, the hill that you would die on in 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 these shows that we've been doing, and uh, it sounds pretty melodramatic, and maybe it is. Um, but the concept is essentially: is there one opinion or thought that you um, would hold fast to within the tech industry that you think is like a non-negotiable, something that you would absolutely fight for tooth and nail? Fight maybe a bit strong, but if you, you know what I mean, like you would really say this. I believe this is key. I'm not going to budge on this. Um, what would that opinion be? And how would you kind of explain that to everyone kind of listening?
1: So this wouldn't be <clears throat> maybe a specific technology um, opinion or thought. So. It's more a bit broader than that. Um, but I think as just as a society or just as the world, we're exper- experiencing a very unprecedented time where the people that control the computers and the robots have all the, have all the power, basically. Um, and what's not happening is there's not a, 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 a enough of a trickle down of value to the people who are not developing those technologies or own them um, to have the the strengths or the or, or the augmentations that they give you, right? Because by this, I mean at this point we're all androids, right? Pretty much. I mean we have we we have these devices in our pockets. They empower our thought and they give us access to all this technology. Mm. They let us do crazy things that we weren't previously able to do. Um, but the thing is, like. A lot of that power is is still being owned and controlled and harvested by you know big companies etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is we still haven't learned as as a society to kind of um, give that value to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that I've been kind of thinking about more and more. Um, it's something that I am passion, quite passionate about, and I've been doing a lot of reading around,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, just trying to figure out. And this uh, problems being trying to be tackled on multiple levels. So of course, giving people just more um, accessibility to program is a way of putting that power into the hands of everyday people. Um, but also politicians are trying to do it from their level and, you know, there are other organizations on various levels that are trying to do that too. So that's something that I care quite deeply about. And it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm watching um, with a, mm-hmm. you know, with a vivid eye Um I can't tell you that I have a specific like part of that, that I'm going to either execute on or work on or whatever, but exorcism is a platform that kind of works towards a lot of that. So Mm. um, from, from what we can do um, and and what's within my power to do, um, I think I'm at least making a small dent into that problem. uh, Yeah, for sure.
0: So what, so then really practically speaking, uh, and maybe this is putting on the spot here, like what, what could, you and I do like today that would just make things a little bit more accessible? I know you spoke about exorcism, trying to be as accessible as possible, but how would you position your mind and the actions that you enact today to, to kind of play that out a little bit?
1: Yeah, it would be, Yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult question. I would say, I mean, we, I could I could tell you the, the the, typical thing of like, you know, introducing um, programming literacy to everyone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But even that doesn't do it justice. Like what we're seeing, for example, is a lot of innovation in AI, a lot of innovation in obviously um, uh, crypto stuff too and mm-hmm. all that. And we're starting to see like a bit of that um, value coming down to us. So for example, um, if you look at a lot of these AI um kind of image generators Mm -hmm. um you can now just write a couple keywords into a into an ar tool and it'll generate like a beautiful painting for you basically Mm -hmm. Um, it's actually a tool made by discord i think um but um yeah what i would say specifically is that we could we should probably just do a better job of i guess our immediate vicinity or immediate families so Mm -hmm. we talk about this on a very like you know exism is a platform that's doing this and this but maybe we should teach our own families to do the things that we talk about right Mm -hmm. Um, maybe our parents especially they might have been out of the fold quite a bit in terms of technology Um, maybe they don't use their smartphone as much as they could maybe they don't uh, know how to do any of the basic things that we take for granted every day Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i think definitely teaching older generations how to adopt technology and use it Um, teaching younger generations too Um, and just ensuring that uh, our community in our immediate vicinity, vicinity in our immediate area have have Know about the the tools, have access to them, mm-hmm. and then are trained to use them in a confident way as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that would make a huge impact.
0: And and I think just to comment on that as well, maybe one thing is is your entrepreneurial is also to be like, how can we bridge the gap between what is perceived as very complex and make it simpler? Not that that's always that easy to do, but um, but maybe build that level of abstraction that just allows more people to sort yeah. of. To, to
1: I, I also feel it's just a it's it's more of just a um, like a like a cultural or, or just a general societal problem anyway. So I I see us also aging out of younger technology, right? Mm. So we're not that mm. young. Like um, no, I, I don't know how old you are, Jonathan, but I'm in my early thirties, right?
0: Thirty-five, and
1: yeah, thirty-five. So we're in our thirties, mm. right? Mm. And um, there are things that I've <clears throat> heard about or don't even have a clue about that the twenties <laughs> and the teens are doing that I don't have. I have no clue. Right. So I think there is a natural, also a natural, like, uh, I guess, um, kind of not calcification, but almost like you just don't know what's on the younger side of things, or you don't mm. know what the young kids are doing, or you don't know. Your brain doesn't
0: move doing. as fast. That's the reality. brain doesn't,
1: yeah, brain like, doesn't move as fast. I'm, yeah. 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 Not, not as neuroplastic, and we're not, and also we're kind of busy we're kind of busy doing stuff. We're bu- busy mm. building something where we're doing our day-to-day jobs and therefore we're not able to have that exploratory phase anymore of going mm. and discovering new technologies and discovering new things. Whereas younger people, obviously they're not working a job typically so they can mm. go off and explore AI and explore this and explore that and learn so many cool new things that we get kind of aged out of a little bit. Mm. So mm. I think there's just an, an issue of time too and uh, mm. giving yourself the, the, the space and um, freedom to explore new stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. No, that's, that's spot on. So one more question then before we kind of come into land. It's been an hour of goodness so far. Um, what recommendation would you give to the exorcism community? And it can be anything. It can be as lighthearted as you want, which is, you know, go and buy an ice cream or whatever. Or it can be as like, you know, get into a hectic fitness regime. That's what you need to do. What recommendation would you make to our community this week um, that they just ha- absolutely have to to try?
1: So two things, and these are two things that I'm working on and Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at. So I'm not preaching here. I'm just saying these are things that we should all focus on as a collective community. Um, One is getting better at communication. So Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily written communication, but spoken communication. Mm -hmm. Um, One problem that I find in a lot of uh, developer communities is that we're good at You know, problem solving from a very logical standpoint, we're not good at articulating that problem or articulating that solution very well. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to build a narrative, be able to to, to tell a story, um, definitely are skills that a a, a typical programmer should learn, um, you -hmm. know, just how to communicate better. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, And the second thing would be to uh, just maybe um, develop a bit more... um, a bit more grit, I would say. So just understanding that, um, things are not going to always go your way. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, things, life will just throw stuff at you. Um, and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, Mm -hmm. so just, I think those two things, um, are are definitely valuable skills that we should all develop more. Uh, for sure.
0: that's, that's awesome. I think, uh, just off the back of your, your grit comment, which I really like, you know, Facing things head on is is way more beneficial than running away from, from the problem. And I think that's yep. just something that I found true in the last couple of years for me is there's an issue. It's better to walk towards it and go through it than it is to kind of try and skirt around it yeah. and uh, yeah. not engage I mean- with it.
1: And, and sometimes you you'll need to like amp yourself up a little bit. Maybe um, I mean that's where this is where the whole physical fitness comes into it. The mm-hmm. reason why people, one of the reasons why people go to the gym is it keep, it gives them confidence. It gives yeah. them the the kind of feeling of wanting to tackle the day. So um, mm-hmm. I would say yeah, like amp yourself up and go and go and tackle those things. Go tackle those demons that you know are there.
0: Yeah, yeah, run at them. Well, Tyve, yeah. thank you so much for yeah. for your time today. Uh, it's always great hearing people's stories and getting those little nuggets and there's plenty of goodness uh, in what we've just spoken about today. So I really appreciate the time. Thank you for all of the work you put into the the amazing designs of, of Kaido and Exorcism and for the ongoing uh, work that you've done. And if you want to reach out to Tyab and have a chat about design, I'm sure he's, he's all ears uh, within reason. Um, you know, we don't want the world sort of bang down your door, but if that happens, then we won't complain. This. <laughs> feel free to
1: message me on slack um yeah. i'm I'm there in nexism slack and you can you can tweet me at, at tyab t a i y a b uh and just hit me up on there so no issues
0: right so so go check it out go check out the designs that he's put up there and hopefully this has given you a little bit of an insight into the thought process the way that uh tyab conceptualizes stuff but again, thank you and uh we'll touch base in a second but uh thanks again tyab thank you for your time and uh check you soon thank you
1: Jonathan.